Welcome to Montana Market Watch. I'm your host, Joe Cummings, a licensed realtor at ERA Lambros in Missoula, Montana. Our podcast is for anyone interested in buying, selling, or investing in property in the current Western Montana market conditions. Lawyers, land, water, wildlife, and Montana ranches. How are some of our most famous Montana land tracts evaluated, bought, sold, or not sold? If we dig deeper, we find out we can make the perfect Montana ranch. Let's shed some light today. It's my pleasure to introduce Dan Mahoney, a very successful ranch broker at Livewater Properties. Last two years of ranch brokers. What's that? What, what's been happening? Has it done the same thing as the residential market where we've sold through inventory? I thought I heard a rumor you were in a multi-offer on a big ranch. Like what's going on in the ranch market? It's, uh, thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the ranch market has been moving pretty quickly in the last couple of years. I don't know if uh, inventory has turned over a couple of times, I feel like, since I started. I started three, just over three years ago in the business. Um, and, uh, it, you know, the, the, the pace has been fun and interesting, exciting and challenging at times. Um, and I would say the last two years in particular, the, the pace picked up um, two years ago. And it hasn't really slowed down. So you were coming out, you were coming out of an outfitting business. Dan outfitted for years. That's how Dan and I know each other. We both were outfitters. So you came out of one business and then into this business, into when it really was just picking up. Yeah, yep. I, I sold my outfitting business, um, you know, basically to finance my transition into ranch brokerage. So I sold my outfitting business in uh, right when I started with Livewater Properties. Um, and uh, at that time, you know, the, the ranch market was 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 cranking along, but it was moving at a slower pace. The average time on market was for a ranch in Montana at that time was two years. Um, you know, 50% fifty or 55% of ranches that would would be listed would would not sell. They'd get pulled off the market. So uh, the inventory situation was much different. The speed and pace in which deals, um, you know, took place was much slower. And my first year in the business, um, you know, it took me, I, I didn't make a sale for nine months. I was living off of, you know, the, the sale money from my outfitting business. And, but we were, but, you know, I was gaining inventory at that time. We racked up listings. Um, then, uh, you know, March 2020 happened. Uh, the ranch broker, you know, no, nobody knew what was going to happen to the real mm -hmm. estate market in Montana. I, I was talking to, you know, a veteran ranch broker out of Bozeman, and he was telling me, you better have money saved because we're not going to make a sale. I mean, <laughs> th there was all sorts of, everyone was, This you during know, COVID? This was sort of the beginning of the lockdown. And this stuff, was, yeah. this was, he thought the market was going to lock up? Yeah, and, and a lot of people did. Really? Um, yeah, and I had... Uh, you know, my second deal under contract at that time, and I was worried that the deal was going to die. Hmm. Um, and uh, we ended up closing that deal. And then, um, you know, I think, I think that, you know, the, that time sort of fueled just the intensity in the market we see now, or at least the more of the uh, desire to be in more rural places and live off the land and be in Montana. So, um, so what we saw in residential was, kind of a somewhat normal to seller's market, decent inventory, and then COVID hit. And like you, we just, oh no, we're not, nothing is going to happen. Yeah. And we, we were probably in that for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden it just exploded. Yep. That's and, what happened. 
and I would say, you know, a portion of our buyers were people coming in and saying, I just want a piece of Montana. But it was also a transition to, you know, maybe in residential, which you're probably not seeing as I'm renting. And then I just want someplace to live that's mine. Yeah. What, what's the, um, what do you think the motivation is for buying a ranch? I mean, from, cause you're mainly listing side, right? I mean, that's a major part of your business. Most of my, yeah, most of my business, personal business has been on the list side. I've represented a few buyers. Um, you know, I think the buyers that, that come in and buy my listings and the buyers I've represented, a lot of them want the same things. I think, um, you know, right now people want open space. Hmm. Freedom, uh, you know, just sort of privacy. Uh, they want to be stewards to the land. They want to live off the land, work the land, understand the land, be more connected to the land. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just a big push for that. Um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of the buyers I've worked with have been a mix of out of state, but also some in state. It's not all out of state. Mm -hmm. um, that's and, kind of one of the fallacies, right? Yeah. Well, everything's out of state, yep. and they're all buying Montana, but that's it's certainly in residential it's not true. I mean, there's people in Montana buying homes. It yeah, sounds we, like there's people buying ranches. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, you know, my, a client I'm working with right now is a local guy. He's a Missoula guy, self owns a business here. Mm -hmm. he's, he's a ranch investor. He wants to own a ranch. He wants to recreate on a ranch. Mm -hmm. He wants to learn how a ranch works. He doesn't really, I don't think he wants to, you know, feed cows every morning, but he wants to be a part of the process and uh, he'll probably end up leasing the ranch out, um, you know, if, if, he, if he closes on the deal we're working on now. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's an investor, a local guy, and just wants to, to own, you know, a, a piece of, uh, an awesome piece of, piece of ground in Montana. So when we say from, so I have a commercial business as well. When we look at a commercial asset, we're talking about cash flow, cap, uh, cap rates, you know, a pods. We're saying we want some sort of today cash in our pocket return. Do ranches cash flow? When you look at actually what a ranch kicks as a pure asset, and let's take out the blue skies and the timber and the elk and the deer and all that. Do ranches when you sell them? Do they cash flow at those numbers? That's a good question. So um, they aren't always priced. They're not. They're not priced on. They're not necessarily priced on their production. Okay. Um, that's a really good question, and I'll try to answer it. It might take me a while to answer yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> not a problem. Um, so, because that's my follow-up question: is how are they priced? If they're not priced out of the cash flow asset, how, how do you price them? So, when when I when I'm interviewing for a listing, a lot of times, you know, a big part of a, a listing interview would be what you know, what is my ranch worth? And they can be difficult to value because they're all every single one of them is different, right? I mean. Mm -hmm. um, but I always try to approach it, personally, I try and take a, the most scientific approach possible, and that is by looking at comparable sales mm -hmm. in the area. But it's hard to find, it's often hard to find really relative, you know, comparative sales because there's not a lot of ranch sales that happen in any given valley. Um, so you end up like, you know, you really gotta, you do your best, you start local and you look at sales that are real close. You might have to jump one or two valleys over and, and pull comparable sales from other valleys. And you can kind of take that and you, you know, a, a ranch has a lot of moving parts, you know, so you gotta understand the values of the different types of land makeup, land use, mm -hmm. um, you know, how much, how many acres, it, how much is irrigated, how much is timber, what are the recreational you know, what, what are the, the, are there elk on the ranch? Is there a trout stream that, that runs through it? The recreational 
the recreation on the ranch will affect the value. The location, there's a, I guess there's a lot of pieces. So there's a lot of pieces. The, so let's say that there's a lot of pieces and you're evaluating them. Dan, I'm going to charge you with creating the perfect ranch. <laughs> what, would be, what would be your top three things that you would say, or even just your number one thing? If this is the ultimate ranch, what does it have to have? Oh, it's going to be, it's different for everybody. Um, you mean like, okay, I can answer this a few different ways. One way would be what would create the most market you know, what would create the most buzz in the market? Yep, I give you X, I give you a open, we're going to go to this land and you can pull from any asset you want. Like okay. you can have a, a 350 class bull elk bugling over a <laughs> trout stream in front of a pivot yep, on a knob looking over the river. You know, is that it or is it? Proximity uh, to, proximity to a city center would be one piece probably. You know. Okay, so it's close to? An airport. Missoula, okay. Bozeman, somewhere you can fly into. Okay. Um, elk, deer, trout, water. Water. Privacy, yeah. And timber? Timber, yeah. A Ag? Lot, yeah, both. I mean, you know, it just, it's, it depends on, every buyer has different goals, but I mean, generally speaking, just a diverse mix of land would be, you know, uh, a selling point to any ranch. A little bit of everything. You know, especially me personally, like the ranches that have like that sort of span from like irrigated ground all the way up through, you know, maybe some some like upland sort of grazing areas up into timber. Like to me, that's personally, that's what I like the most would be a, a, a super cool ranch that has has it all, has some irrigated ground, some production in the bottom and has some timber and maybe a national forest boundary. Mm -hmm. That'd be a pretty, you know. And how rare are those if there's if. How many ranches sell in Montana a year? Do you, know, do you have an idea? I don't know how many sell in Montana. That's a good question. I don't know how many sell. 50? More than that. Okay, 100? Yeah, more than that, probably. So making the numbers round, let's say there's 100 ranch sales. And we're talking big price points here. We're talking to get in the game on a ranch, $7 million? Uh, It depends on, I mean, what your definition of ranch is. Um, if you want, well, it depends on where you where you want to buy. Because a, a ranch one. in Bozeman's a hell of a yeah. lot more than a ranch yeah. in Glasgow. And you could pay a, high, a way higher price per acre on a, you know, a ranch. A, you know, 200 acres in the Bitterroot Valley is going to be you have a much different value than a thousand acres in um, near Phillipsburg or near you know Drummond or you know Butte wherever. So. Location has a lot to do with. So then I'd ask them, what do you, if you're a ranch broker, what price point are you, what's, where's your, where, like, I'm a residential guy, so I'm operating 375 to, you know, the, the heart and soul of our market is 375 to 750. Like, that's my range. We'll, I mean, we'll sell some stuff bigger than that, but there aren't a lot of $2 million homes in Missoula. Yeah. Like, what's your range? What's the range when you're listing, when you're buying? Like I think Nevada Spring Creek is your listing, and you're at what two and a half? Two and a half for that one, yeah. And then I mean, you've worked on much bigger ones than that. Yeah, I've worked personally. I've worked up to the fifteen million dollar price range. Um, there's guys at Livewater that have put together much larger deals than that. I don't have a set price range that I, you know, there's no a hard line of what I will and will not do. But most of most of the listings that I've had are between one and ten million. 
One in 10 million. Okay, so we're not talking about the starter homes in Missoula here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and as you smoke, thank God we're not talking about starter homes in Missoula, Joe. Um, so you're, you're usually operating with someone that's high net worth. Um, and it sounds because... Sometimes. We, I mean, well, I also represent, you know, multi-generational Montana families that want to sell, you know, a, a family asset that might have a land asset, you know, that they want, that they want to... They're, they're converting a, a major asset to cash. Yeah. Their net worth's in their dirt. Yep. And it will become cash after the sale. Yeah, exactly. What... So I've known Dan for a long time, and we chat quite a bit um, outside of a podcast. Um, we were chatting before the podcast started. Moving parts on ranches, how fast or how slow can a ranch sale go? Like for me, residential, I'm operating in the you know 30 to 60 day closing window. Like what do you, what's a you get a ranch, it goes under contract, to close. How long or how short can that happen? It can happen pretty quickly, but on average, you know, I would say 60 days, 60 days due diligence, mm -hmm. 45, due, 45 days due diligence would be 45 days with two weeks to close. So 60 days would be pretty common, but 90 days would not be uncommon, um, you know, for a due diligence period. Um, so 90 days due diligence and then close it 90 days? Yeah, or sometimes, a lot of times if there's, attorneys involved I mean I, I like to have two weeks in between the end of due diligence and closing oh as yeah. sort of a buffer in case things come up or in case you need more time or you know and in almost every deal I've closed we've it's come down to the wire where like we you know we get to the end of our due diligence period and something comes up and we need a little more time that, that's pretty common and it, it sounds like just talking before, usually like in the residential stuff, it's usually agent to agent, negotiation, due diligence, cleaning up contracts. It sounds like in your world, there's a lot more activity on both sides on the legal side of things. There, there is, yeah. Um, and so, you know, there is a lot of agent to agent work that goes on in a transaction, but there's also a lot of work that gets referred to experts like water rights for example water rights in montana are you know very complex there's a lot of nuance to um you know one one areas or one ranch's water rights and one valley's you know water rights and, and where someone stands with their neighbors and you know there's there's so much uh complexity to it that we often almost always refer, we, we, we hire out attorneys to help us and water rights specialists to help us, um, you know, sort of get to the bottom and generate reports for our clients. Um, what do you think after, the, now, for listeners out there, Dan, you know, has been in it three years, but has made a major impact in the ranch industry. He's, he's sold a lot. I don't know that there's been an agent that's been in this short that's done as much as Dan is. Great agent if you're looking to list a ranch looking to buy a ranch dan is an excellent agent to talk to now that you've been in a number of battles what and don't say bridge <laughs> we did a deal that dan and i did a deal together bridge, deal. bridge bridge deals are hard yeah um what do you think when you you get under contract you're ready to go what's that one hurdle that you see you see coming down over and over again that can be tough or are they all different? 
They're all different. Mm -hmm. I've yet to have, you know, two transactions that have had the same sort of hurdles. Um, you know, I think, I think it's important to have a very, uh, you've got to, you got to be organized and get through due diligence. I have a, like, I have a checklist that I, that I, I work with. If Does I'm on keep the, growing. Yeah. The checklist <laughs> keeps growing. Um, and you know, you've got to, uh, it's a good question and it's hard to answer. Every ranch has been, every listing that I've, everything that I've sold has, has had different hurdles to overcome. So you're in a big one right now. Yep. And we've talked about it. The hurdle on this one sounds like an EPA hurdle. Yeah, there's some environmental, uh, yeah, exa environmental concerns that came up, um, you know, from previous, uh, a violation that happened many years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we're just trying to figure out, you know, is this violation, is the case closed? Mm -hmm. um, is my client going to be at risk if he buys the place? Um, and, you know, so we're sorting through that now and that takes time. You know, we're dealing with a government entity and, you know, we, we're trying to get concrete answers from them. Um, I'm working with, uh, you know, my client's attorney. He's working with uh, the seller's attorney. So mm -hmm. there's kind of all hands on deck. We're just trying, we're trying to sort through it. The sellers want to sell, my client wants to buy. We're trying to get there and, yep. and we'll get there. You know, we're, 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 we're working through things right now. So another, just talking to you, Dan, another thing that I, that sounds like happens more often than not is usually, not usually, but there's at times more stakeholders. There's an estate planning, there's, there might be kids, there might be a wife, this might be uh, somebody passed away. It's, it's usually not just one person owning it, is it? Sometimes it is, but usually it's a family. Yeah. Um, you know, in one case, I sold one last summer that was uh, in a Northern Trust in Chicago. So I was dealing with bankers in Chicago. That was my client. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, um, yeah, there's more than one. You know, there might be kids or um, you know grandkids even involved, and so there, there's, you know, a ranch is is often a family asset. There's usually more than one one person involved. What, uh, um, so just kind of recap and then, so what, if I've got it right, you're evaluating assets that are owned by multiple sellers, usually, which have different views. Yep. You're evaluating them in a market that has a limited number of sales and sales that don't parallel well. Like I, I can look at a 2000 square foot house in Missoula two blocks down, there's a 2,000 house, 2,000 square foot house from Missoula. Yeah, they're different, but they're enough alike. I can come to a close number. Yep. Um, so they're assets that are hard to evaluate, owned by multiple sellers, and you're going to be working with a lawyer at some point. I'd say that's all pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, well, then, what, what, when you value them, what's a range? Could you be a million dollars or two million dollars off on a range? And like, for me, if I was if I went into a house and said, "Okay, we think it's a half million dollar house," it might be a five fifty, it might be a four seventy. I'm I can usually be within, you know, by the time it closes, unless I get caught in real heavy multi offers, probably within ten percent. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about ten million dollar assets, ten million dollar ten million dollar asset within ten percent. That could be a million dollar swing. Yep. And is that? Are million dollar swings when you value, evaluate something common? 
when uh, you give a range? Yeah, you could. I mean, you could miss by by that much. I mean, I think you know, um, we are, are students of the market. So if you list something and you're not getting activity, it's it's probably the price. Um, you know, I think Livewater's marketing. We specialize in ranch sales, and we're we're good at what we do and we have a, a proven track record and I believe in the marketing and so do my clients that have hired me and I've mm -hmm. sold their ranches so it's, it's likely not the marketing it's more likely price if you know if we're not getting the activity we want we, we go I always go back and sort of reevaluate see where we're at mm -hmm. and then I'd have a conversation with my clients and say what do you want to do do you want to stick to your guns do you want to you know reduce price to maybe try and get some more activity uh, you know what so in the residential market we we're pretty much on two week cycles because we're such a heavy seller's market for me and maybe you could push it out to a three week cycle. So if the house goes on for 500,000, it's going to hit a window of maybe a week. It's going to, if it in a week, if it doesn't multi offer, it's probably not, it might, but if we're three weeks in it's price, we got to knock it down. And then sometimes you knock it down, it climbs back up on multi offer. What's your range for ranches? Where, where if, if it's on for X number of days, then we start having conversations about price. Where, where's your range? Slower than your range. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't get, I mean, you'll learn a lot in the first week or two of the listing. You will? Ba yeah, based on how much, how many calls you're getting or if you, you start to, if you get showings right away, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good sign. Okay. Um, but, you know, even if you don't, I mean, I, I you know, the, the window, if I go a month or two and not much has happened, there, then I'm starting to think maybe there's a problem. But I would even step back even further and look at it almost seasonally. Season, okay. Like sometimes we'll go mean? like a, you know, well, the, the market, um, you know, ebbs and flows seasonally, as I'm sure yours does too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it picks up in the spring. Once the snow melts, you know, people, and it starts to green up, people want to get out and make deals and look at property and, Everything sort of picks up, uh, you know, sometime in April, May, June time period. June, July, August, probably the busiest months. June, July, August. Yeah, I would okay. say, yeah. And then through the fall, you know, um, September, October is, is usually still fairly busy. So if we make it through the summer and we haven't had much activity, that would be a time to say, all right, like maybe we need to reevaluate. Re but I don't, you know, if... if um, and this is all just generally speaking, there's exceptions. I mean, you know, some ranches go really quick. It well, just, you were just in a multi-offer, weren't you? Yeah, multi, there was three offers on, on yep, a 6,400-acre ranch up by Helmville within the first two weeks of it being listed. So. And, but that, is that common or uncommon? It's getting more common. It's getting more yeah, common. Yeah, I hear about it. I mean, it, it's, it's happened. I've heard there's, yeah, it, it's getting more common. So, so, you know, to put that in perspective, then Dan would have normally said two years to sell something and the market's changed so much post COVID that it, it's gone from two years to possibly multi offering in the first two weeks. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the world has changed. Um, what, uh, so let's, you know, let's give some, what do you got listed right now? So what's, so I know you've got the Nevada Spring Creek, which is 1,100 acres, right? With a yep. ton of water yeah, on it. Yeah, Nevada Spring Creek Ranch, it's 1,185 acres. 
there's a lot of water on that place. There's yeah. um, Nevada Spring Creek, Nevada Creek, two other creeks, all uh, tributaries of the uh, Blackfoot River. And then, I don't know all your listings, but you've got another big place on the Bitterroot, real famous place on the Bitterroot. Yes, What's we've got River Run or uh, Bitterroot Bend. We have, but we've we've got we've got that under contract right oh, now. You've got, got yep. it under contract yep. right now. Yeah, we're taking backup offers, but we have. <laughs> I'm going to put a backup offer in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and, and then it'll be less than asking price. Let's do it. Let's write it up. Um, um, and then we've got uh, Chief Joseph Cattle Ranch, which is uh, Wisdom area, oh, Big Hole Valley. How big is that? That one is 2,500 2, acres, 2, just under 2,500. Um, it's a uh, it's it's in the Big Hole Valley, Upper Big Hole Valley, sort of near. In between Jackson and Wisdom, and it's uh, it's strong on production, strong on recreation. It's got a lot of water, a lot of water. So it supports. And how much? Um, ten point four. We just reduced 10. price to ten point four. Where were you at before that? We were at eleven point two five. So if anybody's shopping um, for a great ranch um, and has ten million dollars. Call, give, give yeah. me a call. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then is that that's what you're active now on your? I mean, I know you've got other deals under contract, but is that actively what you got? Those are my those are my ranch listings. I've got Montana River Lodge, which is a house in 16 acres uh, on the Clark Fork near oh, Superior. Right. Yep. Um, and, yep. Two nine. Yep. 2.9. 2.99. Um, and uh, that's it for my listings right now. Working on a couple, you know, upcoming should be launching those uh in the spring so cool. cool well i just want to thank you for coming in today um if anybody is out there looking to buy or sell a ranch dan mahoney's one of the best in the business um he's at livewater properties right and that's yep. livewater.com livewaterproperties.com livewaterproperties.com um give me a call or, or shoot me a, a text or an email through the podcast i can get you dan's contact information uh you know that's a tough the guys that sell ranches are a very, very small group of people in this business. Um, Dan's one of the best of them. And they're evaluating these assets that are incredibly hard to evaluate. Um, they're moving faster than what they were. They have The transactions require a very, very experienced and professional agent. And uh, We just appreciate you coming in today, Dan, and uh, sharing some of your experiences with thanks, us. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thank you.